Hi, this is Heather Collins. This is Jen Davis. Hatton Littman. Casey Wolf. Cassandra Cox. This is Anna Berg from Grass Range, Montana. Missoula, Montana. Bozeman, Montana. Forest Grove, Montana. And you're listening to Listen First. Listen First. Listen First. And you are listening to Listen First, Montana. This is Chantelle Schieffer with Listen First Montana. Today we are continuing a special series of our podcast, 20 Questions with our team members to celebrate 20 years of leadership Montana. And today I have the privilege of being in Missoula, Montana with Hatton Littman, who serves as the Gracious Space Director for our Leadership Montana, or as we like to call her, our GSD, Get Stuff Done. Hatton, how are you today? I'm great. It's rainy. I planted my garden this weekend, so I love it when nature cooperates and uh, it rains really well to get all those plants happy and watered in. It is a beautiful rainy day here in in Missoula and Hatton made me a lovely cup of coffee and we're sitting here at her kitchen table. Hatton, tell us about your home. What do you love about your home? Oh gosh, I love my home so much. My husband and I bought this home in 2013. And we feel really lucky that it was a time to buy a house when we could afford it. We both worked for the public schools at that time. And every year we put about 10 to $20,000 of projects into it. So there's a lot of craftspeople that we love that have helped us. And there's a lot of Cameron sweat equity in this home and some of mine. Um, And I love that my boys come back to it now. They're adults and they've left our home and the feeling of having them back feels really good. Well, thank you for having me here today. It's an honor to be in your home. Oh, it's an honor to have you. So Hatton is a graduate of our class of 2017 and our master's class of 2019 and joined our professional team uh, two years ago, right, as our GSD, Gracious Space Director. So in that role, she facilitates our core curriculum for our, our, uh, our flagship program, which is Gracious Space. And we reference Gracious Space often in this podcast, as you've probably heard. And I always try to back up a bit and let our listeners know what Gracious Space is, in case they're not familiar. So what is your elevator pitch for Gracious Space? Well, when I get to tell people what I do with Leadership Montana, I explain to them that I get to teach people collaboration and civility skills. And that's the quickest, easiest way to expand and explain what Gracious Space is. If I wanted to go deeper than that, I would say it's these four really easy things to do once you learn them. But the reality is if you don't think about your spirit or establishing your setting or inviting the difference or learning in public, if you don't try to do those on purpose, they're actually really hard and we can default into not doing them. All right. Are you ready to dig into 20 questions? Yes. Okay, let's do do it. Number one, what do you love about working with Leadership Montana? Always my teammates. You know, coming into this role, I was leaving a big organization at a school district and I serve as a contractor, but feeling connected and feeling that sense of belonging is really important to me. I love that that's the organization's values and I love that I get to live that out with the people I work together with. So it's important for us to to mention that you are a contracted employee of Leadership Montana. You have your own company called SurfHL, which I love that name. Tell us what that means to you. Oh gosh, this may not make it into the final edit. So when I started my company, it was very important to me that I protect the things that I value so much. And surfing turns out to be one of those. So Surf HL, my initials are Hatton Littman, but it turns out my first name is Francis. So I've got FHL in there. But 
just so you know this story and you may edit it out, when I first started my company, my husband Cameron said, well, you're a comms professional. You should just call your company, say it right, f-. And I was like, well, I, I can't call it that. That's not appropriate and people won't hire me, but maybe I could call it like an acronym of that and that's S-I-R-F. And then I played with that a little and came up with S-U-R-F. So if you're really in the know, you know that joke. I love that. That's awesome. And I have to say, for the record, I am so proud that Leadership Montana is one of your first clients. Oh, me too. Like, I am so proud of that and thankful that Leadership Montana got me to the place where it was something I believed in and wanted to give a lot of volunteer service. And that created a bigger relationship between you and I. And as a young female business owner, having you believe in me made a big deal in my life and a huge difference. Like it's not just a feeling, it's actually an observable outcome. Thank you for saying that. I I actually, something that you said to me once, I say often in a presentation that I do around courageous leadership and it is that, what did you, how did you, how did you say this? It was about saying your name in a room full of opportunity. Oh, yeah. Say, tell, tell me that again. Yeah, I think I sent it to you because it was like a cute meme or something. But one thing I'm really grateful for are the people in my life who are never hesitating to say my name in a room full of opportunity. And that's how I've grown my business. That's how I've um, made some of the best friends of my entire life is like people who believe in you and who have you on the tip of their tongue when opportunity exists. And to me, that really means like saying your name in a room full of opportunity that might also exist for me or for someone else. It's not about a scarcity mindset. It's that it's there's enough for all of us. Oh, so much, so much enough for all of us. And coming out of public ed, we always have to battle that feeling of scarcity or abundance. And my life is better when I focus on the abundance side. Love it. All right. Question number two. If you could travel anywhere in the world, where would you go? Any surf break. But I should clarify, it should be like a nice, mellow, maybe waist high, maybe shoulder high, like mellow rollers for a longboard. So I get to go to Pacific City, Oregon this summer. It could be my next favorite place. You have this dream vacation I've heard you talk about. Talk about that. Oh gosh, this dream vacation is so funny. So if I could put together my three loves and one bucket list. So I would go up into the Arctic and I would surf in the Arctic Ocean. There's a town called Lofoten, um, which is north of Norway. And I would surf during the day. I would also ski the fjords. And then at night I would see the Northern Lights. And I've only barely seen the Northern Lights. So it's a major bucket list for me. That sounds so dreamy. I'll never forget chasing Northern Lights with you in the Flathead. (sighs) came up short but yeah we did but it felt so special like that you had the alert on your phone and it was you me and Anna on this dock on a cold fall night and just like really you know like almost like the way we have formative memories in our childhood we still get to have those in our adult lives yeah I love that all right number three what was your favorite subject in school in primary school and high school, English and journalism, because that's all they offered. Once I went to college, it was film, all film, like making films, studying films, all film, all the time. So staying on film for a moment, you were nominated for an, an Oscar award, right? 
yeah. Academy Award. Yeah, it took me a long time to be okay with saying that out loud. You and then say it here for the, all the world to hear. Yeah, it's really fun. So in grad school, you make a thesis film. And I was in school in Boston. So I made a documentary, which was really unique at that time, and actually shot it on 16 millimeter film, which is really expensive for a documentary. And I got lucky that I placed very well in my northeastern part of the country and was nominated for a student academy award that's so cool question number four tell me about your family do you have a small family or a large family uh my nuclear family is me and two brothers and two parents but it has become big so i have two step parents and all the step grandparents that come with that and i have um two children that are my own and I had a first husband and their whole family, and then my second husband and his whole family, and then I have my chosen family. So I guess going with that abundance mindset, I think of my family as a pretty big network of people. Question number five, what genres of music do you like best, and do you have a favorite song? Hmm. I like all kinds of music. Um, Do I have a favorite song? I think it's Johnny Lang's Anything's Possible. It's like soulful, funky, a little rock. And like super inspiring, like I I kind of dare people not to like shake their hips a little when that's playing, but I like all kinds of music. Anything danceable is probably my favorite. Because you really like to dance. I love to dance so much. I can always pick you out of a crowd in a a live outdoor concert because you are getting down. Yeah. Often I am. Heather Collins took a funny picture of me at a summer outdoor concert. My hands were in the air. I think my mouth was wide open. And I was like, oh, that's that's what I look like to everyone else. And then I was like, yep, that's pretty much what I do. I think I saw you once at, at uh, uh, Big Sky, at Peak to Sky. Yeah. Uh, you were kind of behind me to the left, but I could pick you out because your hair was like really bright, like yeah. bright red almost. Yeah. And your arms were in the yeah, you you're, you're noticeable in a crowd in the best way. <laughs> that's good. You bring so much joy into everything you do. Uh, Question number six, how do you spend your free time? Oh, doing tons of things. I mean, right now I'm recovering from a knee injury, so I spend my free time doing a lot of icing and a lot of rest. Um, But I do all the things, right? I, I read books. I love to learn. I read a lot of you know, blogs and news on the internet. I mountain bike, not as well as my husband. I hike, I surf, I dance, Um, but I suppose my creative pursuits are kind of unique. I love encaustic painting. I love writing poetry. I don't make movies anymore, even though I have one in my back pocket I need to finish. Yeah, I feel the best when I'm doing a little bit of all those things. Are you a morning person or a night person? Oh man, I used to be a major morning person and now I'm more of like uh, neither one. Like in bed by 8.30, and if I can stay in bed till 7 a.m., I think that's really awesome, too. So, yeah, I'm a rest person. So maybe there's a third option, an afternoon person. Oh, yes. Although afternoon naps. Yeah, I'm more productive in the morning still. Like, that's when I get my best thinking and my best work done. Yeah. What is your favorite food or meal? I really love to make my grandmother's recipe of brisket on the first night of Hanukkah with latkes. That's a big family favorite. And I love anything my mother cooks because she takes so much joy in scratch cooking. You know, I use a lot of like bottled and jarred sauces because it's just convenient. Um, I helped my mother author a cookbook during the pandemic. And so anything in that cookbook is amazing. Do you make your own latkes? 
Yeah, I do. Yeah. The ones that you sent for holiday, did you? Oh yeah, I make those. Yeah. What is your leadership philosophy? I think I just want to make sure that people stand taller in my presence. For me, um, at this stage of my life, I'm really interested. I'm playing around with adding a sixth value, which is power. And the reason why is because I've seen in my own life and other people's lives, when they can actualize their own power, then they can make amazing things happen for themselves. Like talk about being in a room full of opportunity. So if I can be a part of helping that happen, that's my philosophy. I want to grow people, make them feel proud of themselves. I love that. Tell us about your, your five values that you hold to right now. So wisdom's the number one value always. And I'm just a lifelong learner. And I like the fact that wisdom is often defined as the ability to hold two opposing ideas or forces at the same time. Because I think that's a big part of the learning I did through Leadership Montana. And now I can put a name on it. Um, love and family are two of my other big values and those go together often. Uh, I think I feel best when I'm able to give to others and love is really core there. Honesty and integrity and then beauty. Beauty is a big value of mine. I think it's kind of unique, but I love seeing beauty in the world and beauty to me connects me to my spirituality and something bigger than myself. What is your biggest pet peeve? Oh my gosh, we talked about it before we hit record. I think when people don't do their homework, like I'm a big collaborator and collaboration really breaks down if everybody doesn't contribute. And it's such a pet peeve that I get so frustrated about it that I don't always have great skills about saying it and saying like, gosh, I needed you to do this and it's not here and we can't get the thing done. Yeah, that's a big one. When is your favorite holiday? So I have two, and it's it's the 10 days in the days of awe for practicing Jews. It's Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, and probably Rosh Hashanah more than Yom Kippur because that's when you get to hear the shofar be blown. I also have a fall birthday like you, and so having the new year, Jewish New Year fall around my birthday is this great time for contemplation and reinvestment in myself and my values and what I want to do in the next year, but I love inviting people into a service, whether I'm here at Harshalom in Missoula or I'm somewhere else in the state. I think hearing the shofar be blown is such an amazing um, wake-up call. That's literally what it's meant for. And um, it's, it's absolutely my favorite holiday of the year. Talk to us about your, your Jewish, Jewish faith and why is that something that is so important to you? I, I hear you talk about it with such pride and joy and just your face lights up when you talk about what this means to you. Well, gosh, it's been a long it's been a long life for me as a Jew. I grew up in the South in an area where I didn't live in a culturally Jewish community. So a lot of Jews will say, "Well, I'm really culturally Jewish, but not so much religiously, but I'm the opposite. Like I really connect with this faith. And my first rabbi, Rabbi Jack Spiro, was this amazing man in my life, just this force of good and connected me to the idea of, a connection with God as a positive force in my life and just being good and doing good. And I, I just have like my heart explode when I think of him. But there was a time in my later teen years, in my early 20s, where I think I had several crises of faith and I was agnostic for a while. And I think I got to the point as an adult where I could accept that there's things that are bigger than us that we can't always know about. 
and that faith recenters us on practices that are deeply connected to our values and being good and doing good in the world. I'm reading The Daily Stoic right now, and I love that it's about sort of like right thinking and right beliefs and right philosophy, but it's also about right action. I'm also reading The Daily Stoic as um, recommended by Joel Rosette, several podcast episodes ago, he was talking about the Daily Stoic and how it was really informing a lot of his ways of being. And and I have found such like groundedness in starting my day with that simple half page of prose. Yeah, same. And I don't know if you've had this, like some of them sink right in and I'm like, this is the best. I love this lesson. I'm going to send a picture of it to my kids. And then some of them I kind of gloss over. And then I've started to realize like, oh, that's because that's the one you really need to pay attention oh. to. <laughs> like you need to hear that message. You and know? you kind of shut it, shut it, shut it off for a mm-hmm. second. You have to like, yeah, well, that's, I'm gonna have to pay attention to that now. Before we move on to where you grew up, I want to, if we could just talk a little bit more about your faith and what was, what is it like being a Jew in Montana? Oh gosh. Well, it's awesome. And sometimes it's lonely and sometimes it's scary. You know, um, my youngest son, Ben experienced some really, you know, run of the mill and at the same time, horrible and unacceptable anti-Semitism in his school. Um, similar to what I experienced, both of us, it happened in middle school, And I think if you've never had that happen in your life, it's hard to hold that perspective as your own. Um, So for me, it involved, you know, somebody kind of trashing my locker and all my personal belongings inside my locker, covering it with swastikas. And it was really frightening. And I think at that time in the South, what was also, I can only know this as an adult now, the adults around me didn't do anything about it. Mm. It was just kind of like, well, are you okay? Nobody hurt you. Okay, let's move on. And what I love that happened for my son was that when he finally told us about it, because we didn't know it had been happening for a significant part of the school year, his principal was really great and really responsive and addressed it with Ben, but also with the other young man that was creating the problem. And that felt good. Um, I used to have a Black Lives Matter poster in my window, and I did it on purpose because when some of the um, really scary sort of neo-Nazi stuff was happening in Missoula, a lot of people put a state of Montana with a menorah on it in their windows. And I felt this sense of like being seen, being protected by neighbors and businesses who had that in their window. And I realize now it all seems quite performative, but at that time for me as a signal all around me that people were saying, well, yeah, we're glad there's a Jewish community here and we want you to be here and this is a safe place for you. That was important for me. And and I was like in my 40s, I, I could know that. I had friends and I was connected, you know, in the community civic life, but seeing those signs of obvious connection were really important to me. All right, let's talk about where you grew up. We've heard you say you grew up in the South. Tell me more. Oh, gosh. Okay, so I grew up in Richmond, Virginia, um, which, you know, was the capital of the Confederacy, which used to be lined with Confederate war hero monuments. I haven't been back. I have so much love for the place where I grew up and love for the people that I grew up with. But I, um, I never quite fit in there. I think I was like a little bit too mouthy and too brash for like a traditional Southern, you know, young lady. Uh, I was sent to grooming school. 
where, you know, you learn about cotillion and you learn how to set a table properly and how to sit properly with your legs crossed and put on makeup and things like that. Um, so it is kind of like, I was kind of like this funny mix of things, like this this young Jewish kid who was also sent to Southern Grooming School, who also was really interested in like new age art and film. And um, I ended up being friends with absolutely everyone in my school. Like throughout the four years of high school, I, I went to like every social group and became friends with them. And that's probably the story of my life. I just like people, all kinds of people. All right, question number 15. What is a skill you would like to learn? I want to get better at silversmithing for sure. Um, I don't have great fine motor control, but I love the challenge that it provides. And silversmithing is fun because you're working with torches and melting metal and it's really cool. It's like destructive and creative at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. What do you value most in a friend? I think, gosh, two things, love, but also reciprocity. Like this feeling, I pour myself into people and I'm there for them and I'm checking on them, but I value when people give that back to me for sure. And I don't want that to seem like really like a surface level thing. Like deep reciprocity to me is deep friendship. Yeah. I'm, I feel the same. Like if, if I'm giving someone my time and attention and it's not coming back to me, then it makes me question, is this worth it? Yeah. And the thing I like the least is when things feel transactional. Yeah. That just feels icky. Icky. Same. Yeah. Jinx. Jinx. 18. What is something about the future that brings you hope? My family, for sure. Seeing my young adult sons go out in the world and be themselves and become themselves gives me a lot of hope because the act of parenting is always questioning yourself like, oh God, I screwed that up or did I do this wrong? And seeing them and their friends gives me a lot of hope. What brings you joy? Water. Just water, all types, you know, hot baths, mountain streams, really still calm lakes, um, the perfect surf break, all water. So I know the answer to this question because this is a question we ask in our flagship class. What would you title your autobiography? Oh, gosh, yeah. Right now, I'd still say it's She's a Drinkable Wine. But I hope by like my 75th birthday, it would be like, that one's a grand crew. Explain. Well, I'm just in process, you know, like I'm a human being who's trying to figure it out every single day and I try to show up as my best self. And if at the end of the day, I feel like I didn't, then I want to do better tomorrow. That's what I love about Rosh Hashanah, right? You're coming full circle and you're asking yourself, how did this year go? And you're committing to what you want to do in the next year. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm all about getting better. All right. Last formal question. What do you want to be remembered for in your life? So in the, in, the, in the far future, when the history books are written, what do they say about Hatton Littman? I think I want to be remembered for making a positive impact on other human beings. I mean, there's this idea of like the work I do and what's the physical legacy and, you know, building a 21-mile fiber network in Missoula, Montana is a big deal, but nobody's ever going to see it. It's underground. And what's more important to me is... Um, what I did for other people and how I made them feel. Is there anything you'd like to say? Oh, this is just an odd thing and you might cut it out, but I had the opportunity. I've actually, this is so weird, but I'm a writer, so I do this. I've actually started writing things that I would say for my mother's eulogy because it's really important to me when those thoughts come to me. It's like, like any writing practice. When it comes into your head, you should write it down. 
And my mom came and took care of me uh, during my recent knee surgery. And I got to share the draft with her. And I was really scared to do that. But she loved it. And we got to talk about it. And so much of what she taught me was how to be involved in other people's life in a positive way. And so I think if I could measure up to even a fraction of the force that she is in the world, I would think I did a pretty good job. Well, I haven't had a chance to meet your mother, but I will say that you are a force. You are someone who um, brings so much joy and gifts into each relationship in each room that you walk into. And it's been, I can't even look at you right now. (laughs) It's been such a privilege to spend these last couple of years with you on the professional team and I'm just so grateful for what you've you've done for our programming for what you've done for our organization and for what I know you'll do for us in the future too and I'm so grateful for the friend that you've been to me thank you likewise reciprocity all over the place (laughs) our other shared friend Courtney McKee who you did an episode with those uh, mutual admiration society stickers say it all Mm, yeah thank you Hatton Littman GSD thanks to Chantel Schieffer and Leadership Montana gracious space director Hatton Littman for that fantastic conversation on this special episode of Listen First Montana celebrating the 20-year anniversary of Leadership Montana. And of course, thanks to you for listening in. If you've enjoyed today's show and want to support Listen First Montana, please tell a friend about the show or post your favorite episode on social media. Those small steps can really help us connect these stories to more listeners. Our music is from Blue Dot Sessions. We'll see you soon with our next episode. Until then, thanks for listening to Listen First Montana.